Thank you for downloading episode 77 of the Shrimps Verdict podcast. All opinions expressed are those of the individual contributors and not necessarily those of either Morecambe Football Club or of Beyond Radio. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio. It should have probably chipped the keeper yeah, there or yeah. gone for it. He's going to win himself a free kick, which oh. I suppose is the second best thing we could have done. He didn't fancy himself, Dave, he did he? Fa- he was, was not on. confident enough. The chip was on there, wasn't it? It was on and it was settled. It's not as if the ball was bouncing around anyway. It was a, it was a chance. Can you kick him for that, Dylan? Because <laughs> he's gone for it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, it just... Because the keeper, Walton, was so far off his line there. Well, you saw he his, just had to get it on target, yeah, really. You saw, his, you saw his reaction, didn't you? He panicked. Oh. He was spinning back towards the zone, expecting the, expecting the effort. And I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? Because Dylan missed a couple of one-on-ones earlier in the season, and you could see he lost a bit of confidence as a result of that. Derek Adams then took him out of the team, I think partly to do with the change of formation as well. And, and he's getting that confidence back, isn't he? He doesn't want to mess up again, I yeah. suppose. Well, well, that type of chance, I guess, well, it's not even a chance, it's a half chance. That type of half chance is... Uh, it's more likely to happen when when things are going well for you. When you're in relegation battle bottom of the league, you probably are less yeah. likely to try something like that, even at nil-nil. Love with the free kick. That was midway inside of the Ipswich half. Chips it towards the edge of the box. Flick forward by Liam Shaw. Yeah. Put into the net. But the opening goal by Kieran Phillips. That was a wonderfully worked free kick. And that time the linesman's flag stayed down. Lovely little ding ball in from Donald Love. Flicked forward by Liam Shaw. And there, three or four yards out, Kieran Phillips to smash it in underneath the crossbar in front of the Bartercard Fatal to make it. Morecambe 1, Ipswich Town 0. Well, there's the opening. There's what we're after. I think it might have took that little free kick to just open up a little bit for us. I, I actually am not sure that Farron Rawson meant to play it that low. I think he was trying to chip in a little bit higher. But it's a great little touch on, but I think Ryan Delaney and, and a great little finish. And there we go. There's, uh, there's the breakthrough. And you can't say it's undeserved, Dave. Interesting change, Dave. It looks like uh, Edwards has got fed up with trying to go past uh, Liam Gibson. So now he's, he's having to up sides. And he's done well there to get the cross in on the yeah. left flank. He's going to fall for Evans. Oh it's off the post. Ooh. And the rebound is skied over the bar. Again, you look, there's the quality. I think I mentioned the word shackle by Gibbo on the opposite side before. As soon as Edward swaps the opposite flank, he's causing problems. We need to make sure we don't commit too many men forward because like that, we could get caught out on the break. It's a Kyle Edwards now for Ipswich Town on the edge of the box. Curls it deliciously towards the bottom corner and it rattles the base of Connor Ripley's left-hand post in the first minute after the half-time break. Here come Ipswich down the right-hand side, trying to get an attack of their own going in front of the Berlin wall Chaplin whips the ball in towards the back post and it's Donald Love who heads the ball against his own crossbar they look a lot livelier already don't they they look like they've stepped up a gear and start the second half we've got to be careful here now and that could have gone anywhere it felt back into the arms of Connor Ripley that's twice in the first two minutes after the break that they have really knocked on the door completely different game isn't it it is isn't it we've only played what eight nearly nine minutes after the restart, it's been all Ipswich and Leaf Davis's oh. corner. 
is a really, really good one in towards the edge of the six-yard box. And it's put into the back of the net by defender George Edmondson for the equaliser. It was coming. Ipswich have been all over Morecambe since the second half got underway. They've hit the woodwork twice. And it was a great corner from Lee Davis from the left-hand side. And it was volleyed in from close range from George Edmondson's right boot to make it on 54 minutes. Morecambe won. Ipswich down one. Yeah, so the next five five to ten minutes is going to be crucial. We needed to, to stick in and dig in and not concede in that time. But unfortunately, it's a great ball in from Leaf. The, the initial header was missed and he's just got in front and stabbed it home. It's, it's, he's just got a touch on it really. But um, yeah, unfortunate for us, especially when we've, we've, we've had him at bay and then they've ended up scoring for a corner, which is probably the most disappointing part of it. That's a lovely again. ball by Edmondson. Here comes Kyle. Edwards down this left-hand side is in the box. Is it tripped there by Farron Rawson? He was tripped by Farron Rawson, and that's going to be a penalty to the Tractor Boys. And it could be going from bad to worse for the Shrimps. We said it, didn't we? He's looked dangerous. It's a great ball down the side, and Edwards is just cut inside, and, and Farron's just stuck his leg out. And uh, yeah, I think it is a penalty. I don't think there's many arguments about that. Morecambe won Ipswich Town one in the 58th minute. Shrimps live here on Beyond Radio. Come on, big man. Whistle goes. Chaplin against Ripley. And yeah. Ripley has saved it brilliantly yeah. down to his left-hand side. It was a really poor penalty from Chaplin. He just tried to roll it into the corner. Ripley went the right way and has made the save. It's amazing how many times uh, the lefties go to their right and the keeper's left. It happens so many times. And yeah, in, in the end, a quite comfortable save. Wasn't the best of penalties. But yeah, that might change the game. Shaw gets it to Phillips on the left-hand side of the box. Oh, the flag's up for offside. It's not going to count. The ball in the back of the net by Connor, by uh, Dylan Connolly. It was a great move through the centre. But as the needle was threaded through by Kieran Phillips on the edge of the box, Dylan Connolly had just drifted offside. It finished well, though, to be fair, but it won't count. Ball inside the penalty area. There's going to be another spot kick. That time it was Jacob Badeau that sent the Ipswich man sprawling in the box. He is absolutely furious as he goes over to the assistant referee. The upshot is done on 63 minutes. They've already missed from the spot once today. And five minutes after they did so, Ipswich Town have another chance to retake the lead from the penalty spot. I know we can't, Dave, but I'd like to see that one again. It's one of those where you'd call for it, but wouldn't expect to get it. Um, in my opinion, looking at from where we were, but the referee's given it. We're just going to rely on Big Connor again. And this time it is going to be the Welsh international, Lee Evans, who's going to try and restore the lead from the penalty spot for the Tractor Boys. It was just one of those where Jacob Badeau just stuck out a leg. He was on the floor when he did so, and it was just a trailing leg that clipped the Ipswich Town man. And the referee had no hesitation, pointed to the spot. Mr Kirk has given Ipswich two penalties in the space of six minutes here at the Mazuma Stadium. Once again then in front of the Barter card, stand away to our left-hand side. Whistle goes, it's Lee Evans for Ipswich Town. This time smashes it into the far corner. Connor Ripley went the right way again, but he was not going to get a hand on that. But Doe conceding the spot kick, dispatched by Lee Evans. And on 65 minutes, it's Morecambe 1, Ipswich Town 2. Ball on the edge of the penalty area. Stockton just trying to get that and trying to flip the ball towards Cole and Stockton. Oh, it was a really cute effort from Cole. And he had the goalkeeper scrambling. I think Ipswich thought the whistle was going to go for a foul, but it didn't. 
And we're nearly equalised now with a really cute effort from Cole Stockton. Yeah. Had the keeper beaten, but it just rolls the wrong side of the post. Reaction to the action. This is the Shrimps Verdict on Beyond Radio. Yeah, I thought it was an entertaining game. It was uh, probably one of our best performances uh, of the season. I thought that... Uh, we took the game to Ipswich, we started on the front foot and uh, you know we got that uh, goal ahead from a set play, a great ball in and uh, Kieran Phillips was able to you know, get us 1-0 ahead and we looked very comfortable and we limited uh, Ipswich to very few chances uh, throughout the 90 minutes. They had openings but they weren't clear cut um, and over the afternoon we're probably you know, disappointed not to take anything from the game because we've lost a goal from... Uh, our set play against uh, where one of our players has lost his man uh, then we've given you know a penalty away but um, the player in question and uh, other people have seen it on the video say that it wasn't a penalty um, he didn't touch him and also um, we got a goal chopped off where uh, Dylan Connolly is clearly onside and uh, you know I think these are the decisions that uh, need to go with you and uh, they aren't at, uh, at this moment in time well, they always say when you're at the bottom of the table, they go against you, but they shouldn't do that, should they, really? No, I, I think that, um, you know, today, um, obviously it's a difficult uh, game for uh, officials because uh, it's quite a high-profile game. You know, it's Rich Town uh, coming to our stadium and uh, unfortunately sometimes you get things wrong and uh, it looks like the referee... Uh, has got the penalty decision wrong uh, and the linesman has got the decision where Dylan Connolly uh, was onside wrong. So that, that's unfortunate, uh, but it doesn't help us any because it would have been able us to get uh, another goal in the game. It would have got us back to 2-2 or it would have got us ahead in the game because they wouldn't have got their penalty. And uh, I think that that's you know, our disappointment at this moment in time. Looking back at the first half especially, the applause you got from the fans at the end of that first half it was a tremendous performance. It gave so much. Yeah, they, 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 we were really good. Uh, you know, we pressed Ipswich all over the park. You know, the second best team in the league at this moment in time. Uh, and they didn't like it. And then we fed off of that because we created openings from it. Um, they then, you know, changed things about. We adapted to that. And I thought they started the second half very well. Uh, they got a, a foothold in the game. Uh, then they scored from a set play you know, that we shouldn't have conceded. But uh, over the 90 minutes, I'm proud of the players. I thought we put in a, a magnificent effort. I thought that, you know, the 11 and then the two substitutes coming on, you know, helped us as well. Uh, I was just delighted with the players. How frustrating was it to concede the first goal from another set piece? Yeah, I mean, it always is, you know, when you're man-to-man, uh, it, it's always uh, difficult. It was the nature of the ball and he didn't actually put it in properly uh, and they got a, a nick on it and, and they get it to, into the goal. You saw, again, at the end of the game, the reaction from the fans, the, the tremendous as they took you off. Big games coming up now, Burton next week. They're all big, but that's a really big one. Yeah, I mean, they're all big in this league. It doesn't matter. You know, we, we look at it. We're only, you know, five points off. I think it's 17th position. It's it's so tight. And, uh, you know, we're playing a lot of really good teams in this league. But I thought today, you know, I thought the effort uh, from the players, we competed with a team that have got millions and millions of pounds to spend. And uh, I think that that typifies you don't have to see um, you know, their 
amount of staff that they have. They've got more staff than I have players. And, uh, you know, that shows you how big a football club that Ipswich Town are. They've got home gates of 28,000. We've got 2,500 season ticket holders. And uh, it just tells you, you know, how well we've done to get into League One and uh, keep on going. And uh, we're, you know, fighting hard to stay here again this year. And we'll be here to the end. Fighting hard, you said there. Have they set a standard now of what you expect every week after today? Yeah, I mean, we've, we're down eight players today, you know, eight players out of our squad, which is a lot uh, at our level. We didn't have, you know, enough players to, to fill the bench. And uh, I think that, you know, we're, all we're showing is that we've got some really good players that uh, will enable us to, to move in the positive direction. And uh, I can't be any proud of I said to the players, you know, you've got to stay calm. We understand where we are at this moment in time. But at the end of the day, it comes the end of the season. Um, you know, it's, it's when it you know needs to come right. And uh, I've been here before. I came into Morecambe when we were second bottom of the league in League Two, and I came here last year when we were in the relegation. So we're in it again. So we have to get out of it. Well, Kieran, another goal for you, but unfortunately ends in a two-one defeat today. Yeah, um, obviously I'm delighted to score again. Um, that's what I need to keep doing: keep scoring and helping the team out as much as possible. Uh, but it weren't enough today for us, and uh, we'll come away with no points again. First half, you were one 0 up at the break, and all looked good. But to give them credit, they did come out strongly in the second half. Yeah, they're a good side. We always knew they were going to try and come back into it, and uh, unfortunately, we let them. But I thought first half, I thought we were excellent. I thought we dominated the game. Uh, I thought we deserved to be one 0 up. Um, but you've got to do it for ninety minutes if you want to win football games, and we did today. You keep chipping away with the goals, and uh, it's nice to see somebody in the end of a bit of a scramble in the six-yard box getting the final touch like you did. Yeah, that's what that's what I've always done to be honest. Uh, just getting this six-yard box, and it always falls to you at some point. Uh, and I was just happy to put it in back in the net. So second half, they come out, they hit the post twice, they get the goal, which unfortunately again was from a set piece, and that must be frustrating for you. Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, we've got some work to do on set pieces. I think. I think it's happened a couple of times, um, and unfortunately you can't just keep giving them away, or you lose football games. We could go to a lot of decisions. The first one, penalty for them, which Conor Ripley saved, looked a penalty. The second one, Jacob Beddow with a tackle. Did you have any thoughts on it? Uh, at the time, I thought he probably didn't have enough contact to, to go down and give a penalty, but we haven't looked back at that, um, so can't really comment on that. Um, There's another point in the game where Dylan's gone through. I played him through and he scored and he was onside. We've seen that back, um, but obviously, you know what football's like. It's, it's part and parcel of the game, and unfortunately, we were on the wrong end of them decisions today. Yeah. You say kindly, part and parcel of the game, but it's happening quite a lot, isn't it, for you, unfortunately? Yeah, I think I think we're just in that zone at the moment where things aren't falling for us. Uh, but hopefully, with performances like the first half, we can take that into next week's game and hopefully things will start falling for us and we'll start picking up points. I think you saw from the reaction of the fans as you came off, they know that you put a great effort in today, the whole team. Yeah, yeah, I think they did and, and they've been excellent, to be fair. Um, they keep backing us and that's what they've got to keep doing because um, we're going to need them this season. Um, and I thought they've been excellent so far. And how much are you learning from playing regular football at this level now? Yeah, learning as much as I can. Um, obviously, I had regular football last season, but we were a league lower uh, and a bit out position. So to be playing up front uh, week in, week out, it's, it's really good for my development. And now Bert and I will be away next week. We keep saying it, but it's another big game. Yeah, it's a massive game. Um, but hopefully we can go there. If we play for 90 minutes like we played in the first half, I think we'll take all three points. Delighted to be joined today uh, by a former Shrimps player and the head of coaching now at Morecambe Academy, Neil Wainwright. Let's talk about the academy then, if we may. And it must be a proud day for you, Neil. Leif Davis in the Ipswich Town starting lineup, and uh, what a journey he's had since leaving our academy. 
He has, and um, it's it's been great to keep tabs on his career. I, I just caught him briefly before they went out and uh, wished him all the best. Obviously, not wishing him all the best too much, <laughs> and I'll catch him afterwards. But uh, no, it's for us to produce players like Leaf and and and, and obviously got Adam Mayer on the bench today as well, and and that's what we're aiming to do within the academy. And we know it's we know we're not going to get loads through because not, not, that's not how it works, but. We try and get as many through as we possibly can, and, and if we can help the first team or bring some money in for the football club, then that's uh, that, that's what we're going to try and do. And as the years have gone by, academy football, the, the old youth team, if you like, when back in the good old days, it was the youth team, wasn't it? The the whole operation has significantly come on. So give us a bit of a flavour, if you can, Wayne, about how the Morecambe Academy has developed over recent years. It's developed massively. I mean, when I first got the 18s role, um, we were trained on the back of uh, at the back of the Mizuma with uh, sort of I think it was six scholars back in the day the first time. So now that six scholars has expanded to a full Cat Three Academy where we've got well over well over 100 kids within the academy, and with that comes loads of different responsibilities to each individual player and. Um, we, we, we've sold players at younger age groups and we've, we've brought the odd one through to the first team so far so five, six years in as a cat, Category 3 academy we're really pleased with how it's gone and um, hopefully we'll get more players through and, and sell more players as, as, in, in the next five years of that as well so it's, 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 a, it's an ongoing process but loads of work going on behind the scenes with it and it's casting that net wide isn't it you mentioned over 100 young players in, in the system at the moment so that's quite the operation between yourself and, and Stuart Drummond and the rest of the academy staff. Yeah, as I say, everyone works really hard within the academy and it's um, the ideal scenario for all is, is, is getting that um, local boy on the football pitch. But as you say, we, we also cast the net wide as well. So Adam Mayer, um, he's, he's gone through the system and he's, he's, he's from Liverpool. Um, a few other boys have also been on the bench as well. Jamie Nicholson also from, from the Wirral and... Um, we had a couple of local boys on the bench early on the season Manny Davidson, Dan Foden uh, Cameron Rooney also he's from Liverpool, Leafs from the North East so um, yeah we, we get them from all over and it's just about trying to find the best players wherever we can if we can get a local one on there it gives it that extra little bit special but they almost feel local when they've been with us four, five, six years as well so where do where do you find the players from? Do they come to us? Do they ask for a trial? Do you have a, a scouting network? How do you find the scholars in the first place? We, we have a scouting network, network, and we have a few sort of contacts in, in various areas. So um, we've had a few London boys in the past, and so we've got a contact who who will bring us players from London, and then and we we try and offset that when they come in and have a look at them as to the quality we already have in the building. And um, if if they're of a similar quality, we, we go with the boys that we've got. Um, if the boys coming in from externally from, from elsewhere have got to be really really good um, otherwise we'll go with the players that, that, that we've got because um, we've got some pr really promising young local players as well so we, we want to give them that pathway to get, to get into that first team it's watching that programme on Channel 4 that uh, Football Academy dreams about Crystal Palace's academy fascinating insight I mean obviously that's a Premier League level that's a, I guess another step up again isn't it really but it gave a, a fascinating insight into the highs and the lows about what that level of football really entails. It's not just the boys turning up and training and playing a bit of football and hoping to get a contract at the end of it. It's a real deal, isn't it? Yeah, and it's. Um, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have gone through that system myself, so I know what it's like from a young player's point of view as well. And it can be really, really difficult. And um, 
some players who, who, who've got real great talent sometimes fall by the wayside because they can't deal with the pressures of it and it is really really difficult but we try and look after that side of it as well we've just got new player care uh, and, and safeguarding um, involved in the academy as well which is great and that's that goes a long way to helping the lads off the pitch as well as on it but when you see a player, let's take Leith Davis for example, came through our system, didn't get into the first team at Morecambe, but found his way with Leeds and then obviously Ipswich have brought him in the summer for a reported significant transfer fee, you have yeah. to say. Obviously that, that helps us, we get a sell-on clause, I suppose, so the circle completes in that way. But it must make you and everybody else at the academy so proud that the system works, doesn't it? It does bring the players through. That's it, yeah. And as I said before, it's we're not expecting to get 10, 20 through. Or it, it will be bits and bats. And um, it is a fantastically proud moment to see the likes of Adam on the bench today and, and, and Leaf playing. And, and she's got played a month for Ipswich. Um, it's, again, seeing Leaf today is great. And, and, and I w we'll, we'll always look out for all the players that we've had. And as you say, it just shows that it, it, it works in different ways as well. So, yeah. You hope it's going to be the pathway for some through to the first team and, and feeding into the main event, if you like. But as you mentioned, there, there are other pathways, aren't there? You've got Connor Pye going to Sunderland, Leaf yes. as well. And, and so it's not just Morecambe, it's bringing the best ones through. And I suppose whichever way they go, then, then that's just the way it is at the end of their scholarship. That's it, yeah, definitely. And, and again, we, we, we hope uh, Connor does really well. He's a great little left back. Again, it was one of those where... where I think, I think the manager wasn't sort of in a position to have him part of the first team, which is fine. And again, in that case, we move him on and, and, and hopefully then our reputation will still grow. So we've got Conor Pye to a point where he's, where he's, he's been signed by a, a championship team, Catrigal Football Club, um, and, and hopefully we'll go on to do bigger and better things. And, and, and the same, same happened with Leaf as well. Well, I suppose that, that our reputation then, that attracts good young players to want to be part of our setup in the first place. Yeah, and it, it, it attracts scouts to our games as well. So if we have players going on elsewhere, I mean, we regularly have sort of the, sort of the big four come to watch our academy uh, age groups on, on various occasions, Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool. They, they, they tend to be there quite a lot, particularly United. So it's, it's, it's they're, they're doing the same as what we try and do on a different level. They're casting their net wide as well. So who have we got coming through then? We've mentioned Adam Mayer, of course. We've got Cameron Rooney. We've got uh, Dan Foden and the others who have come through. Are there any names or, or, or any positions in particular that we can look out for coming through the ranks? It's hard to say. I mean, we, we um, as the first-year scholar group are a good group. Um, it's one of those where there's a few done really, really well. Matty Williams has scored a lot of goals within that group at the minute. But it, you, you could make a case for any of them at the moment. They're doing really well. Um, um, and we particularly like our under-15s group. So... We try and look at them down in the academy and where they're going to fit and where they're going to go later on. And um, that's a particularly strong group, but that's not to say there's not good players in the 16s and the 14s and 13s as well. But yeah, particularly strong group of the 15s. So over the next three or four years, hopefully we'll see them migrating themselves onto the pitch here. I suppose when you get games like today, when we've only got 15 fit senior players, then we need a strong academy set up to uh, kind of bolster the ranks a bit, don't we? Absolutely, yeah. And it, it probably it is, it's the cornerstone of any smaller football club. Um, and, and yeah, our job is to try and get in as many as possible. Sometimes it's not possible. Um, and, and they go on to different pathways, as you mentioned. But again, uh, we, we do we do as well as we can. And again, we, as you say, we there's a couple of uh, examples today to, to show why we do it. We're very proud of Leaf, obviously. I suppose we hope he has an off day today, though, of course, because uh, we desperately need uh, to get that first home league win 
of the season. Yeah. You were a, a, how many games did you play as a pro? Neil, about 500, I suppose, nearly, wasn't it? Uh, like? uh, yeah, about 350 in the end, I think it was. Not, not quite as many. You're picking me up a little bit too much there. No, no, I, got, I, I played enough. Yeah, so. It's, and you've been through good times and bad. Oh, absolutely. As a pro. <laughs> so, how do you, as a professional footballer, then, how do you address it when you're playing in a team bottom of the table? How do you stay positive mentally, and, and how do you get out of it? Um, I think I think the key when you when you're sort, sort of talking about the football stuff, it's um, it's trying to keep yourself on an even keel. Um, it's trying to keep it's, it's looking for that next it's looking for that next result basically. Uh, you know you'll have faith in your teammates, but it's getting that next result. So the next result for us, I think, is really important. And, and what better than today um, to be to be a side like Ipswich at home? that could really set us going and, and could galvanise the squad together. It's the Shrimps Verdict podcast, part of Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio. Hi from Dave Salmon. Thanks for downloading this episode. Thanks as ever for your company on Shrimps Live. If you didn't make it down to the Mazuma Stadium this afternoon, we always appreciate it. The only place where you can hear full match commentary of every single game, League and Cup, home and away, is on Beyond Radio on FM and DAB+. And also, of course, via I Follow Shrimps as well. Thanks so much to Neil Wainwright, my special guest on co-commentary fascinating insight I always love having an ex-professional uh, on commentary because they add that extra dimension they see things that us mere mortals just just don't pick up on the pitch so thanks so much for Wayne for his uh, insight during the game and uh, also of course uh, to give us a bit of an insight into the work of the Morecambe FC Academy Leif Davis one of the graduates of the academy a few years ago now playing for Ipswich signed for a reported million pounds and it's, it's brilliant isn't it to see those success stories of the uh, young Morecambe players coming through the ranks so on we go then to another massive game next Saturday at the Pirelli Stadium it's already a six pointer if there is such a thing at this stage of the season I think there is Burton Albion the destination for the Shrimps next weekend full match commentary of course as ever on Shrimps Live next Saturday from 2.45 but ahead of the game I've been talking to Ed Walker Ed is the host of the D3D4 podcast I'm sure you follow D3D4 on social media if you don't listen to the podcast it is quintessential listening if you are a fan of any lower league football club that's for sure Ed is a bit of an official Leonardo about all things League One as well and he is a huge Brewers fan so the ideal person then to get the full lowdown on Dino Maria's men ahead of our trip there next weekend. Ed thanks for jumping on our podcast really appreciate your time I know you are a very busy man so we appreciate it. Uh, before we get going about uh, matters League One and, and about our game on Saturday uh, D3, D4 lots of people follow the Twitter feed, they listen to the podcast. For for the one or two people that don't, uh, tell us all about it. Well, very simply, our aim is to try and provide coverage to Division 3, Division 4, League 1, League 2, as it's known now, and give the coverage that I think the mainstream media doesn't really provide. I think they have started to do it more. I think there's maybe a lot more attention to football outside the Premier League than there was previously. Maybe sometimes it's a bit more clips and stories rather than general regular coverage about the Division week in, week out. So that's something we've always tried to provide. It's myself. There's a crew of um, four, sometimes five of us. We're looking to get a new guy in as well to join us as well to keep the numbers up. And we run through all the games that are played on the Saturday, both League One and League Two, starting with League One first, going through League Two. It's annoying because we try to keep it to a relative around sort of an hour, hour 10, and it's impossible because <laughs> there's so many brilliant games in this league. I try to put a running order together where I kind of like, 
prioritise the more meaningful, significant games and the ones with less eventual are at the back. And what happens is League One has two all draws and three twos every single week. So it's impossible to put them all in the order. But it's a lot of fun now. I'm entering my, is it my third? Or my, I think it's my third full season now involved in doing this. And it's bonkers. I mean, the very third season was COVID. So that was a, an interesting third season, <laughs> should we say, down with that. We've had a, some weird ones since. The one obviously all behind closed doors and then last season as well. New guys getting a promotion out of the out of League Two as well through Wembley. A lot of fun. I, I do really enjoy it. It's, we record early Sunday morning, so it's quite a lot of effort on the Saturday, getting everything prepped together immediately after the games are done. But I think it's worthwhile. I really enjoy it. Well, it's, it's become quintessential listening, I think, to, uh, if, if you don't mind me saying, to people who support clubs in League One and League Two. I think the, the reason it's so good is because it's presented by and contributed to by genuine fans of, of, of lower league clubs. It's not corporate. It's not club orientated the hands aren't tied in, in that regard and and that makes it we real, try to be unbiased but sometimes yeah. it comes out i can't lie <laughs> sometimes it does well we, we you all know, support team you have a team, then, you have we, a you know? i've had a couple of strained to teach with burton and you've got to try and take that out of your mind because you, <laughs> you know the emotions that will put you through immediately after full time yeah sometimes it's worth giving it a night to just kind of rest on it and say right this happened this happened we'll go with that so we're at the quarter point of the pretty much the quarter point of the season now, Ed, how has League One shaped up in your expectations to how you thought it might have shaped up before a ball was kicked? It's going to be brilliant yet again. Brilliant on both ends, really. Um, I think my my thoughts heading into preseason was, I think there's kind of a bit of a top bracket and a bottom bracket with League One. You've got the sides that are historically bigger, the bigger crowds, they've got necessarily the bigger budgets that you would expect to be up there. We've currently got eight of those up at the top that are the top eight places right now. And there's a couple like Accrington, Stanley, Cambridge, Exeter, who have been able to flirt up there, but I'm not sure they'll sustain it for the whole period just because the squads just simply aren't the same level. And then the bottom bracket, which includes ourselves as well, that will be either in the relegation battle or trying to stay away from it. And largely it's going as expected. I mean, there's a couple of outliers at the minute. You look at Milton Keynes, Dons, Wickham, Oxford, they're at the wrong end of the table compared to where they were last year. There's reasons for that, injuries, losses of players, certain things like that, change of managers. But yeah, it's it's another brilliant division and I love it. It's it's all the excitement and drama that the Premier League provides, I think, but there's far more competition. I mean, who knows right now who's going to go up out of those eight teams up at the top. It's going to be a really good battle. And then the playoffs at the end of the season, my favourite time of the year by far, always dramatic, always brilliant. It seems to us, it's obviously our second season in, in League One. And we thought that there were some amazing clubs and, and some enormous teams in our last season. But this season, it seems to have almost stepped up another level. It's mm. even better. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I think you always will have it because there's 34 spots in the Premier League and the Championship, 34 clubs available. I guarantee you there are more than 34 clubs in this country who think one of those deserves to go to them. So you will always have some big boys at this level. I mean, you look at Bradford down in League Two as well, who hopefully can start to bounce on the way back. They might have a good season for themselves, but there'll always be some big boys at League One level. And I, it's what I love about this division so much is the massive contrast in clubs. I think it's bigger than at any other level in the pyramid where you can be up in, up at, well, you could have been up at Sunderland, but you can be with Pride Park or um, uh, Portman Road now playing at Switch or Derby. And the next week you're at Accrington Stanley on the terrace. I, I love that contrast. You can have week on week. It's so good. And everyone's competitive as well. You know, bottom can beat top. It's brilliant. On any given day, I think you're right. Top can beat bottom. We proved that last season. We beat Sheffield mm-hmm. Wednesday. We beat Charles. Yep. We, we, we had some great days out. We also had some hammerings as well. And I, I suppose that is the beauty of League One, isn't it? But from from our point of view, for a Burton fan, for a Morecambe fan, 
It's about being, well, I suppose, mid-table in our own bottom third mini-league, and that means we stay up this season. Yeah, it is. It's, it's that bottom bracket. I think we, you know, you tend to wait about 10 games in. We're, I think we're 11, 12 now, depending on the teams now. And you start to get a sense about who's going to stay where. There might be some who pick up in the second half of the season and get further up, and there might be some who drop away from the top pack now. But I think generally, especially those teams in the bottom four right now, we're going to be there throughout the whole of the season. And it's a case of basically having four sides worse than us. I hate League One's relegation zone. The fact there's four teams, whoever decided that, I hate them because it's horrible. Yeah, so you, love, you love it when you're in League Two and you've got three automatic spots and a playoff side to go with, which is great. And then you come up to League One, you realise, wow, we've got to do quite a lot actually to stay above this season. It's it's real effort to stay there. Although that said, 40 points survived. Yeah, that was season. an anomaly. Real it, anomaly. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I did the stats. Um, Fleetwood stayed up on 40, obviously. The last time, that's the lowest totally needed since three points for a win was introduced back in the 1980s. Wow. Normally, they say the benchmark normally for League One is about 50. Last year was a massive anomaly, and it happened the other end as well. Plymouth Argyle got 80 points and didn't make the playoffs, yeah. whereas some teams have won promotion with 80 points in the past. It was a real outlier of a season. Yeah, MK Don's 89 points, didn't yep. go automatically, still in League One. So it, it was it was one of those bizarre campaigns, wasn't it, really? So uh, we'll see how it pans out. But I think, like you say, it's, it's exciting times, isn't it? And I think that's part of the reason why we love being in League One so much and why we are desperate to stay in League One. But at the quarter point of the season, both clubs have got uh, more than a bit of work to do. More than a bit, yeah. Um, I think we probably did have more. Now is the case where it's kind of back to the same level. I mean, the start Burton had was atrocious. It was sadly exactly what I expected really under Jim Thalassa Bank, but the changes have been made. I think we'll get into those hopefully a bit more as well. We're back in the pack and there's a pack down the bottom ourselves, yourselves, um, uh, Forest Green Rovers, Bristol Rovers as well. It's all back in the pack and uh, I wish we'd made better use of the Tuesday game we had, that little game advantage we had because now everyone's got a game in hand around us, Mm -hmm. which is... I mean, it's too early in the season to be needing to worry about games in hand, but at the same time, it's not a great look. Still 33, 34, 35 games Absolutely. left. So I look at it, well, there's 100-odd points to play for. You don't need to panic, but then you look at how many points you've got in your own column, how many wins you've got from the first dozen games or so, and you can't help but, if not panic, you can't help but worry ever so slightly. You can't. Um it's it's always I think it's always the case with me. I, I remember um, the the win we had, the first win we got down Exeter City. I, I went mad for that because I think you've signed at this stage when you're down the bottom. You think, where's the next win coming from? When's the next goal coming from? So you you kind of milk it a little bit when it does actually come your way, just because you're not quite sure. You know, I'd love to be in the position of it switch or Plymouth right now. It's seems to win every single week, but. We don't get that luxury down the bottom of the table, sadly. No. no. Well, we, we were the same when, when we got our first win. Our, our, as we record this now, we are recording for the weekend's games, respectively, mm-hmm. and with two tough games, Peterborough and Ipswich. Uh, so hopefully we've pulled off two shock results. But um, our one and only league win so far against Forest Green, yes, the euphoria was, was like I've not experienced for ages because it was that first win. It was getting it in the last minute as well against a team we know were going to be around us at the end of the season so uh, it's, it's weird the emotions are weird aren't they yeah we did the exact same with Thoris Green as well got a stoppage time winner against them as well and we were down to 10 men for about 60-70 minutes into the game as well so Thoris Green have not had a fun time against us too so far certainly they've had two big games in the last two weeks and they've lost both of them and it's well it's the reason why they're right there with us at the moment so Ed talked to me about Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank it was manager for for quite some time you had some great highs 
and obviously some crashing lows, but it was time for him to go when he went. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 a roller coaster, really, that period where he came back. Uh, it would have been January 2021. We were rock bottom of the division, and I mean rock bottom. Sort of, I think it was six points off 23rd at the time. I think we had 13 points in my first 22 games after trying the first start of the season with a rookie manager and Jake Buxton, who just wasn't ready. Really, I think there were some okay players, but he he just he'd gone straight out playing into management, which is always a big risk to do, and it wasn't paying off. And he came in with Dina Murray as an assistant, and we had an excellent transfer window, got in a load of really top quality players, the kind of players that we needed to come in, and we had a go at it, and we got out of there. I think within two months of actually being bought on the table, we were out the bottom four. That included a run of six consecutive wins, which was a record for us in the EFL. We hadn't won six games in a row before the EFL level, and we ended up in a comfortable 16th position. And naturally, when you do that you think, right, let's go kick on. And, but it didn't really. I mean, the first half of last season was pretty good. We kind of were sort of the top half, a little bit off the playoffs. I felt that the playoff sides had a better level of quality than us. They were just always going to be better. So I knew that was maybe a bridge too far. But the second half of last season, especially after losing a large chunk of our team's goals in January, um, Lucas Aikens going, Kane Hemmings going, Daniel Jebison going, Tom O'Connor going as well. We tailed off. It went to really bad form and there were some performances where we weren't just poor, we looked dire. Morecambe especially is one that comes to my mind in April, which was a crucial win to yourselves. But mm. for us, it was almost just kind of like we were just kind of like recycling possession back to you and it just kept coming at you. And you, that second half was probably cruise control for you lot because you were 3-0 up and just knew exactly what you were doing. So it was an easy job for you. And I remember that form coming into the back end of the season and feeling it's not really a sign this is going to improve heading into the new campaign either. We look like a team that's been playing as one of the worst four sides in the league. And even into pre-season, when I don't really care about results in pre-season, you look a lot more at performances. And the performances weren't great either, whether it was against Birmingham City or Brackley Town, we were looking second best. And that's not an encouraging sign to see. So I had, admittedly, very low expectations heading into the season. Um, I actually put the bottom of a pre-season prediction because I was that unsure about them. And about three games in, I could tell I was going to be right because they lost 3-0 in the opening day at Wickham Wanderers. They lost 4-0 at home to Bristol Rose when they were thorned at half-time. Their only point from the first seven games was at Accrington where we were 4-2 up heading into the 90th minute and still drew. Terrible. Defeats to Oxford, uh, defeats to Ipswich as well. Just a really, really poor start of the season. And the support on the fan base has certainly gone towards Hasselbank. And you're talking about a guy who, yes, has a good amount of affinity towards the club from a very successful first spell, but it was all heading in the wrong direction, getting ugly. And people weren't impressed that after getting beaten on Saturday, he'd be on Super Sunday the following day for Sky Sports. Yeah. And that people even outside the club were looking at it going, your team's bottom of the league, what are you not doing? Not a good look. It's not a good look at all, no. So he announced his resignation at the start of September after we lost to Oxford. And his assistant, Dina Mara, has taken over and it has picked up. Definitely. He's got the spirit back in the team, certainly. Well, Dino's got pedigrees on, hasn't he? He's got uh, plenty of years of coaching experience in, in, in the EFL. Was there a danger, though, Ed, that it would have been more of the same regime or, or has it been yeah. a, a fresh approach? No, it's a fair comment to make. Um, I think there was naturally a bit of concern amongst people as well. Why, why would a terrible team appoint the assistant who's been part of the regime currently? I always kind of looked at it and thought I'd quite like to know who's got control of the tactics here. Was this all Hasselbank stop where we were seeing very direct players out of natural positions or was this Dino having an input? By the looks of it so far, it was mostly Hasselbank's tactics because Dino has favoured a much more positive formation, people in naturally comfortable positions, whether out wide or in attacking midfield as well. 
and we just try and work the ball a little bit better. We're still quite a direct team, which is nothing wrong, by the way. You can use that very effectively. But there is a bit of an effort to work the ball from one side of the pitch to another or through the thirds as well till you get to the final third too. And we picked up. Um, there's, there's been some generally competitive performances. I think we had a frustrating defeat to Shrewsbury uh, the weekend before last, where Marco Morosi, their goalkeeper, basically won one of the points with a superb display. The weakest performance was probably our most recent one at home to Fleetwood Town on Tuesday, when we were just left frustrated by Fleetwood getting a really strong spell that they capitalised on, and Burton just weren't really able to react in time to it. So, largely, I think it's been much more positive, even if the last performance has been a bit below the level we've come to expect with them. So managerial change, personnel change as well. Tell us everything we need to know then, Ed, about a Adino Mario Burton Albion players wants to watch formation. What do we need to know? Well, we tend to go with either a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1. I think it's been the 4-2-3-1 that's been deployed more recently. It's all about the energy and tenacity in midfield. So one of the big things that he's done, probably the player who's improved most under him, is Deji Oshilaja, who was originally someone who came in as a very versatile player, sometimes playing the back line across all the way, whether it's right-back, left-back, centre-back, had a go in deep in midfield, but under Hasselbank. And Dino's deployed him as a very advanced midfielder who will push on, be the target of a lot of goal kicks, I think, as well, to win slick-ons, generally be a target for the direct play against slick-ons mm. from there, and will be all action, essentially going box-to-box. To be honest, it's a bit like watching Vieira, is the comparison I've given to him, because of the performances he's had. He's certainly been the most improved um, the key man at the moment up top is definitely Victor Adebayejo, who got a hat-trick against Doris Green Rovers to beat them as well. He's such a workhorse up top, and he's a guy who isn't really that big in terms of a local point striker. He's not exactly six foot plus. I think he's about five foot nine, but a relentless workhorse in and out of possession. Works really well up there, leading the line through him. And um, what helps as well is a little bit of support to provide around him. I'd probably say the key man to watch also off the left-hand side of an attacking midfield is Davis Keeler Dunn who's a name you might be quite familiar with. Certainly League Two fans will be. Yeah. He got 15 goals through Oldham Athletics last season in a season where they were relegated as well. And he's stepped up to level and he's one of our top scorers at the moment. I think he's someone who is a superb striker of a ball. Maybe doesn't always come off, but he's certainly, a, I think, to use the cliche, a scorer of spectacular goals, but not a spectacular scorer of goals yeah. would be the good cliche to use with him. But he's undoubtedly someone who, can certainly be dangerous when getting the chance to run with the ball off the left-hand side or receive the ball in attacking midfield as well. And then I'd probably also highlight one of our midfielders on number seven, Joe Powell, re-signed a new deal, a two-year deal in the summer as well. Uh, his best skill is his ability to shield the ball as he carries it through midfield. He's really integral towards that, the way that we're able to, to carry it through midfield. There aren't many other players in the team that can do that as well. And there's a decent bit of creative output from him as well. Sometimes gets deployed out wide, which I don't like as much because I think he's best when he's in the middle, right in with the action as well. But sometimes he's used out there and he can be pretty effective from it. Given where we are in the table at the moment, we, we've spoken that it's early days, of course. Uh, does this make our game a six-pointer? Is, is, I think it does. Yeah. Regrettably. Mm. I was, I yeah, was hoping, uh, this is, I was hoping that we could, go into the Fleetwood game on Tuesday, get a decent result and say, right, well, Peterborough, we see what happens at this weekend. We see what happens with that. And then the Morecambe game doesn't carry the importance, but it feels the same now really as it was against Thoris Green two weekends ago at the time of this game taking place. So it's going to be a tense one again. I am a big believer in your season for clubs such as ourselves. Seasons aren't going to be defined by playing Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich and Peterborough. Mm-hmm. It's largely a free hit in that regard, isn't it? That you know, we, we'll get the odd freak result, fluke result. We'll we'll play really well and, and get a win here and there. There'll be other times when we'll be well beaten. They're not going to define our season. It's 
the results against the teams who are at the end of the campaign going to be around us that count. And I suppose that that means games like these that adds extra extra importance to them. It does. And then you've got the other thing as well, where if you lose those important games, you look at it thinking, well, now we've got to go and get a shock result to make yeah. up for it. Yeah. So you've got to go and win a Peterborough, win an Ipswich, win an Argyle, wherever it is you end up going as well. So sometimes you get the bonus of getting both. You get the winner on the, the, um, the side around you and then the win over the tide above as well. That's what normally helps keep you over the line. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a nervy one this Saturday, shall we say. Tense. For away travel supporters, mm-hmm. Ed, I suppose when you're a member of the press, you don't quite see the away game experience quite as much and, and always get a warm warm reception at the Pirelli, nice go through. Press air is a bit tight, but, uh, you know, you can't have everything. I'm lose a bit of weight. But uh, always get a warm and friendly welcome. But for away fans who are travelling, what do they need to know? The main thing to know to them is that we have a designated away pub. It's called the Beach Inn. That's two E's as in Beach Tree. B-E-E-C-H-I-N-N. It's a little bit up the road from the Pirelli Stadium. It's a big building just off the side of the road. Designated away pub. Away spoilers are always welcome there pre-game. And it's a simple walk over to the away stand from there. And uh, Burton Station, train station, is, is is a bit of a walk, isn't it? It is a bit of a walk, yeah. I, I don't use it myself. I, I tend to use the car to be able to, to drive over there and park over there. But yeah, it's um, I think it's about 30 minutes on foot. It is all down one road, essentially, just a straight walk. But it, it's a bit of a lengthy one. Yeah. A couple of miles away, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, Ed, I appreciate your time. Thanks for jumping on our, our podcast. Let's uh, just have a couple of, of uh, predictions then before you oh, go. Uh, I ask everybody this every week. and, and I hate predictions. Uh, me too, but that's why, that's exactly what I'm going to ask. Well, um, how, how, How's it going to go on Saturday, firstly? Uh, is this the Morecambe game, sorry? Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I tend to not bother with predictions, so let's go 4-4. Let's go, let's go dramatic. Let's go high scoring. Why not? Why not? No, it never lands anyway. So let's go with something outrageous. And one of these days it will pay off. You need let's to go have to Absolutely. Cole's first goals of the season as well. Well, I'm going to ask you about Cole in a second, actually, because uh, obviously uh, the saga from from an outsider, it, mm. it probably has been, uh, been quite the tale. Um, early on, Ed, of course, in the season, can Morecambe and or Burton both be in League One next season. From what you've seen of teams that you've played so far, are there four poorer teams than yourselves, at least? Can you hang I on thought, to that little bit of hope? If I'm honest, I find it difficult to think both would. I think it would be one or the other if there was going to be one. It, it could well be two of them, to be honest. Um, Morecambe, I, I pay a lot of attention to... Um, I like having a look around at some of the data charts that are available for League One to look at to get a sense of the strength of teams. And um, to be honest with you, Morecambe at the wrong end of a lot of them, yes. similar with Forest Green as well. So sadly, I think their position is quite justified when you look at the chances that they're conceding games, the general lack of creativity that's there as well. It, it's worrying at the moment. I, I hope it can change, but um, it's difficult to pick four worst teams at the moment, really, than the, the four that are currently down there. I mean, you would expect Exeter, and Exeter probably the interesting one now, with Matt Taylor gone. How do they look? How, do, how are they going to see... They've had a strong start. I think they've got a better squad than relegation would show anyway, but it's all about really what point comes into them. I think Port Vale will be down there as well. You'd expect to be um, Barton and the Rovers will always be Joey Barton. So you can never be quite sure with them. And I think Thoris Green are probably right now after their two defeats to Burton and Morecambe, probably within the worst of the lot right now. I think it'd be difficult to really 
see both of us surviving, especially because those teams just outside the relegation zone, Oxford, Wickham and MK, I expect to pick up because it's yeah. just not going right to them at the moment. Yeah, It's tricky. And hopefully one of the surprise packages, uh, an, Oxford, uh, uh, an Accrington at Cambridge maybe can, can be pulled mm. back down and hopefully it become a, a mini league of seven or eight for four places rather, you would hope than, so. rather than five. But it's uh, when you look at the table, it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't lie at this point of the season, does it? And there are reasons why you're top or, or why you're near the bottom. So uh, interesting times ahead. Let's just have a word on Cole and Eddie uh, Thumay. He's not scored this season, of course, for, for various reasons. I'm, I'm not sure he's even had a shot on target. I mean, I'll say that. Hopefully, by the time people listen to this, he scored a hat-trick against Ipswich on Saturday. But uh, as, as we record this now on Thursday afternoon, he's not, really look like scoring this season but he's got to come good at some point hasn't he surely surely I, I I don't understand what's happened with this I don't know if it's something personal maybe you know there was the whole transfer saga I, I really thought he was going I, I didn't think he was staying to be honest when I heard the tag that was coming around with him but he is staying now Um, I mean I think Kieran Phillips is doing a decent job in his replacement which is interesting because I didn't really have that big an opinion on Phillips from his time during Muslim Lone League 2, but he seems to be handling things quite well at Morecambe at the moment. Well, I think the reason for Kieran is he's playing through the middle. And yeah. when he was on loan at Warsaw last season, he was playing out wide a lot, which I don't think is his natural position. He's uh, off the shoulder of the defender, slip the ball through to him and he'll run onto it and do the rest. Is that kind of facing goal, if you will, kind yeah. of striker. He's only scored twice so far as, as we record this, but uh, he, he does look good. And uh, I, I think there's potential between him and Cole to form a, form a partnership if, if we can get uh, both of them into the team at the same time, depending on what formation that we end up playing, of course. But uh, Cole, at some point, he has to score goals, surely, because otherwise nobody, if he's still got designs to leave the club in January, he's got to still keep himself in the shot window. You need a penalty. Just, just something. Just needs anything, doesn't he? Just, just something. One, 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 one just off some, the just bounce, or anything. Yeah, it just bounce off them, like mm. yard out or something. Just something to go his way. Because at this it, time, it's strange year, at the minute. It is. Because I mean, it we've is. seen a bit similar with Alfie May, to be honest. Charlton, we had a great yeah. season last year and he's had a bit of injury problem as well. But the two of them, I mean, Charlton are coping all right without it, without his goals at the moment. But it's a bit weird to see them dry up as much as they had. I never thought they'd hit last season's numbers again, but it's weird to see how little it's been so far from a pair of them. Well, this time last season, Cole was just going into double figures for the season. Yeah. And I say he's not, from memory, he's not, I don't think he's even had a shot on target yet this season. So hopefully that's going to be corrected. But I suppose if people, if, if clubs don't bid what a club thinks their player is worth, he's not going to make the move, is it? As simple as that. No, and I'm dreading this now because I'm getting this vision of him getting his first goal. <laughs> Ed, thanks so much. Really appreciate your time. Give us the uh, the plug one more time. Not that you need it, because everybody knows about D3, D4, but uh, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find my own personal Twitter, which is uh, at Edward underscore W97, where I, I just ramble on about the lower leagues far too much, to be honest. I mean, I put out a tweet recently of a miss that happened at the Fleetwood Town game involving Callum Watt, which was quite frankly hilarious. What, what, what a miss it was as well, yeah. I can't believe it. I've just I've just had my hands... You had your hands on the head as a home fan, just looking at it thinking, what are you doing because you it kind of you wouldn't have even seen it from the angle I had it as well where the whole goal is just completely open and he just completely puts it wide and it's it's 
yeah, I, I ramble on about the lower leagues a bit too much, but that's just how much I love it, really. And then the account to follow as well at D3 Diesel Football as well. We put out a weekly podcast available every Sunday, normally around midday. Depends how long it takes me to edit because uh, it'd be quite tedious editing it sometimes. Tell me about it. <laughs> Some of the recording that comes as well. It's more. It's normally my problem because I'm just umming and ahhing to myself trying to work out the order I've got going. But no, D3 Diesel Football is the place to go. We put out a lot. Of, we'd like to get a lot of statistics out as well on the players in both League One and League Two. Ed, you're a very, very knowledgeable man, if you don't mind me saying so, about lower league football. So we really appreciate your time and uh, I really hope that it's going to be a good game in the Pirelli. I suspect it might be a tense, tight affair, uh, but we shall see. And uh, we'll to keep an eye on how both clubs go uh, as the season goes on. So thanks once more for coming on our pod, Ed, and hopefully we'll spit to you next time. Thank you very much, Dave. Enjoyed it. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio.